Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ben Drinking, Ben Watching. It is me, Alex Ace Caimano, and I am joined as always with Matthew Belts and Andrew Hogan. Today we are discussing Darren Aronofsky's 2008 The Wrestler. This movie stars Mickey Rourke, Marissa Tomei, and Evan Rachel Wood. The movie follows a faded professional wrestler, Randy the Ram, as he struggles with retirement and finding a life outside of the ring. Anybody that knows anything about Darren Aronofsky knows that his movies are horribly depressing, and this is certainly no exception. However, I will say this is probably the most digestible and probably has the most heart of all of his movies. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here is The Wrestler. Right for the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ben Drinking, Ben Watching. Hey, yo. What up, what up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, Andrew. Bitch ass motherfuckers. Bitch ass motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. How was, uh, how's everybody doing? Is everybody okay? Great, man. Just uh, wrapping up on uh, Boston Strangler. So I got the next week off. It's going to be beautiful. Very handsome. Was it a good shoot? Problematic shoot? What's up? Uh, you know, it, it was a lot. It was certainly a lot. Uh, period piece, um, multiple, multiple locations. I just hesitate to complain whatsoever because I had kind of the easiest locations on there. So sure, it was sure. just, it was a good gig. I'm happy to be uh, wrapping it up though and starting another one. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Andrew? You doing good? I'm a little upset about a bad sexual episode I had last night. Really? <laughs> well, you're young. There will be more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not really. I'm fine. I'm doing well, thanks. Good, good. Standard week. Glad look, to be here. You yeah. look like you get a real sharp haircut going on. Uh, it is sharp. Did you get a haircut recently in the last couple of days? Within the last couple of hours. <laughs> okay. It's the sharpest. It's one of the sharpest haircuts in this studio. Yeah, I well, would, for sure. I would probably come up second. I think my last haircut was in fucking June. What about Hana? Well, hers is pretty all right, but <laughs> what, she's you, not in this room. What did you no. say about Buddha? Oh, what did you, what say, did you about say about Buddha? Buddha? Uh, what's up with you, Ace? How's your week? Uh, my week was good. My week was very good. Uh, I was busy at work. Um, I got a lot of things done. And I wanted to start this podcast off um, with a little question game called Have You Been Shocked This Week with, uh, when it comes to movies? Like, did you realize something in movies that you didn't realize until this week? Sounds like you've got a specific answer. I do, <laughs> I do, but I wanted to ask do you. you wanna, do you want to start this off? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. So I realized that the guy that plays uh, Bill Tanch in Mindhunter. Yeah, he was is, in Fight Club. Yes. He was in a few of Fincher's movies. He yes. was in Alien 3. Okay, that's deep. Right. That's well, that's a deep cut. Yeah, that's yeah, a deep yeah. reach. But yeah, I, I just realized it the other day because I just watched um, Nightmare Alley. I watched oh. the first like half hour, so I'm not I'm not I haven't finished it, but I liked what I was I liked what I was seeing. It wait was, a minute, it was were decent. you guys watching this? If HBO you're Max. Oh, really? HBO <clears throat> Dog. Yeah. Oh, yes. Can't wait. Okay. Yeah. What, it was, it was, was pretty good. It? Yeah, he was in it, and for some reason, like when he was talking this time, I for some reason heard his voice saying, "I get it." In death. We get a name. Yeah. Guys, come on, guys. <laughs> All right, let's go, guys. <laughs> come on. No, when I realized, I was like, motherfucker, that's Holt McCallan? Um, uh, Holt McCallany. McCallany, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, McCallany. Dude, he's so talented. Do you do you watch Mindhunter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my favorite part of Mindhunter. He's he so my good. absolutely favorite part. Have you seen it? 
I saw the first few episodes of season one. <laughs> you weren't impressed. It's not even that I wasn't impressed. I think like, I was. Bored. I think Why? I was like really heavily into like my fourth watch through of Entourage. Yeah, he's like, there's not enough glamour the behind entourage. this. There's not enough people getting money. Come it just on. didn't do it for me. Come <laughs> on. I loved episode one. And yes. And I was like, well, I don't like this. See, that's a, that's funny because I I consistently I don't like this. Well, I I like episode one, but I consistently <clears throat> have to tell people, in my own opinion, you got to get to episode two in order for this show to really kick off for you. And I know that's a hard stretch for a lot of people who are like, if I'm not grabbed in the first hour, I'm not really into it. If I'm not grabbed in the first fifteen fucking minutes, I mean, fair. Some but, people, are but like, like that. here's the thing: episode two is amazing. I love the Ed Kemper stuff with uh, what's his name? Uh, what what's that guy's name? Uh, the Holden Holden Holden. I don't know his name. Oh, Neil? Jesse, um, like his real name? Yeah. It's like Jesse something. I don't think it's Jesse. He's something. from Glee. I don't, I think it's like. Oh, that's his name on Glee. <laughs> I mean, Jonathan Groff. Jonathan, Jonathan Groff. Groff. It's like Jesse. No, it's his definitely name, Jesse. His definitely name Jesse. is Jesse on Glee. <laughs> no, the first Groff. thing that I ever first saw First and on. last name. Send them out here. Send them out here. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ace, was that was that it? Was that the yeah, whole yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was and the whole game just that you realized you somebody was in another that. movie that you saw? And I just wanted to tell you. He's like, you guys ever like realize that someone is in a movie and they've also been in another movie before? <laughs> yes. Never. Yes. No, yes. that's never happened. Yes, that's what I wanted to say. I did not have one of those moments this week. No. Um, but I, you know those moments, I right? Could find you had those Fight moments. Club. I could find a couple of them in Fight Club, honestly. There's a lot of, like, that guy in Fight Club. Right, 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 right. I guess that might be the better question. Did you find a that guy? Did you find a that guy this week watching whatever you were watching? I, I no? didn't. I didn't. Okay, that's fine. I, I will say— Why not? I just because I'm watching that stupid show with Kristen Bell, the woman across the street from the house with the woman. Oh, in the that's window. like a spoof, isn't it? I just don't like it. I, yeah, okay. I've heard from like five different people that they're like, "Oh, this you is gotta hilarious. give it like two you episodes. Give it like two episodes. <laughs> you gotta like, like give it a shot. You gotta like, watch the whole thing. And it I'm makes sitting sense. There like send them out here. Because I'm not getting my ice cream <laughs> job today. <laughs> no more fudgicles. <laughs> Fucking lame. You um, get your ass down here before a black wolf swallows my brain. <laughs> All right, but the actual point why we're sitting at this table with microphones today is to talk about Tell the us. 2008 Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler starring Mickey Rourke and Marissa Tomei. What did and you Evan guys— Evan Rachel Wood or Rachel Evan Wood? Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. Her. Um, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> She's in there. <laughs> what? Uh, as far as I know— Matthew, you've never <clears throat> seen it. Andrew, you saw it when it first came out, but mm -hmm. that was in 2008, and mm -hmm. here we are, 2022. What did you guys think, Matthew? Uh, dude, uh, okay, first time seeing it, loved it. Absolutely, like I, it it hit all the uh, hit all the buttons. All for the me. buttons, eh? It was so good. Um, I just thought it was a great character study. I mean, Mickey Rourke, and he's a powerhouse of an actor. Um, I think more in this than anything else he's been in. I mean, I, I hesitate to say that just because I haven't seen him in that much. Like, I, I have to confess that my knowledge of Mickey Rourke is pretty much open and shut with The Wrestler uh, and Sin City and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Um, beyond that, I, I, I was at a loss for anything. I, I know of other movies he's been in, but I never experienced that. So I guess that was a large part of what helped watching this was that I had no context with this guy. So it was so easy to just jump into this movie and be like, oh, wow, like that's, that's this character. This is, this is the Ram. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, uh, 
you know, no preconceived, like, who is this guy kind of thing? No, I didn't like, know, know that he adopted man. 18 children from Guam. I didn't know that he was cheating on his ex. Like, I have no... That's something that I think is a problem with actors, is that a lot of them are celebrities before they're actors. Sure. Um, but no, Mickey Rourke, dude. And he's just so raw in this movie. Like <clears throat> He this, really is. This whole time, I'm like, you... I, I feel it. I feel it. I The performance killed me. That was that was the main thing. What about you, Andrew? Um, I like it. I I wouldn't say I love the movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, the movie's heavy. The movie's his character, he's really um it's a very emotional movie. It's funny too cuz like there's not a lot going on in the movie. Sure. You know, like there's not a lot of things that are actually happening, you know? It's pretty much, you know, it's back and forth from the ring to, you know, the his strip, everyday to life. the strip club. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of see what he's doing every day. What yeah. are you talking about? There's so much going on here. No, there's not. <laughs> yes, um, there's not. Um, Mickey Rourke is great in it, and I'm kind of just going to piggyback off of what Matthew said. I had I had never even heard of Mickey Rourke until you know. I mean, I was only in eighth grade when this movie came out, but sure. even still, like I, you know, you'd seen since. I have City, a pretty. Ex- and it came out the same year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, oh, it was the same year. We were having this debate earlier. It was the same year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and I mean, at, at that point in 2008, I wouldn't say my film. Repertoire was extensive, All you know. I mean, up. I watched. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Since then, it was 2005. It was not the same. Was it? Year. No, it was oh, three years it was, later. I thought it was 08. Oh, it no, was later. No, 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 no. It was 2005. Oh wow. But yeah, so even still, in Sin City, I never would have put, you know, Mickey Rourke. Like I, like that's not what I think of when I think of Sin City. Sure. You know what I mean? But like yeah. seeing this, you know, you piece it together. Just like he said, you know, I've seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and I think those are the three movies that he's been in that I've seen. Um, but the movie is. Uh, it's it's frustrating to see the movie play out because you kind of know where it's headed. Mm, what do you mean? Like, yeah, uh, his, that. his, his inevitable good. demise sure. is foreshadowed throughout this whole movie. You didn't think there was any chance of redemption? No, because here's the thing too. I re- I really liked how personable he was the first time you see him working in the deli. Dude, it's awesome. It's really awesome. You're kind of just like, oh, like maybe this guy isn't the problem. Maybe he is just down on his luck, been handed a, a, a tough hand in life. But then you see when he storms out and then you see his interaction with his daughter and it's like, oh no, this guy implodes whenever mm-hmm. anything is even going remotely well for him. Because sure. the whole time I'm watching it, I'm wondering, I'm like, why is he in this position that he's in? He had the success as a wrestler earlier on. You know, everybody knows him. Everybody loves him in his confines of the ring and, you know, like on tour and with his guys, like that's where he clicks. But then he's, he, he's like an actual rhino out. He's he, like, he's he is like an rhino. uncaged animal. He when is he's not animal. in the ring. Yeah. You know, he can't really separate those two things. And ultimately that does impact his everyday life. In the first like forty five minutes of the movie, I'm like, I, like I, I really genuinely was trying to be like, where did it go wrong for this guy? Because you don't even really. It's not like he's hooked on the on the. I mean, he's taking roids and stuff because he wants to, you know, get big and strong. He wants to try and find a way to adapt to what where the industry is moving, but he's not blowing shit up his nose. He's not. He's not a boozer. You know, he's just kind of. Well, he's definitely casual in that. He's a casual um, intoxicant. If you will, right? Because it's, not it's over it, the like, top. The like, first time you you see him, he gets locked out of his trailer, and he goes into his van. He pops a couple of painkillers, and he starts drinking beer. Like he's always drinking beer, not a lot of it, not going excessive, not going completely over the top with it. And you know, you see him when it's like, okay, I can turn it on when he has the interaction with Marissa Tomei. He's like, you know what? I'm getting fucked up tonight. 
Mm. And like, yeah, he is accustomed to blowing lines and having a good time and fucking banging women and getting all fucked up and sleeping until like eight o'clock the next day, mm. like sleeping for 12 hours straight. So he, that is his lifestyle or was his lifestyle that he never grew out of. And I think that's where his demise comes from. Like he was on the top and he had the giant fucking match, the title match, you know, it was the big thing. And like a big common thing that happens with in wrestlers is that you get painted as the hero or as the good guy. And then eventually you fade away because other younger, more, not more talented, but younger blood comes through and starts to replace the old blood. And usually the older folk will try to figure out some other way to not use their bodies so much, get into endorsements, get into either acting or get into um, some kind of other business, use the money that they that they raised as a wrestler to do something else. He really never did. He just wanted to wrestle. Like, mm. And that, that goes back to your point, Andrew, about the animal, like the animal that is Randy <clears throat> the Ram. Like he couldn't stop being a wrestler. Like that was just who he was. And it's great because they subtly put him side by side, Bob, the Ayatollah, who is like, all right, we're going to do this big rematch, you and the Ayatollah, back from when Bob, we were doing Bob them. aged gracefully. Well, because Bob took his money and started a real business. He's doing well with that used car lot down there. That's right. That's that's exactly right. It's like he took the money and he did something real with it. Whereas Randy the Ram took the money, blew it on whatever the fuck he was doing, probably, and, you know, honestly, probably gave it to his family. You know, I mean. No, I don't think so. I do. I, I really do. I really do think that a lot of his money went to the family and then when he couldn't make it as much as much of it he just got the bare minimum went to a fucking trailer and well tried i want to hold on, more. hold on i'm going to jump in on this point i've actually watched a couple of documentaries about people who you know try to do professional wrestling there's this myth that there's money out there there's not like he's not making money but he like, was he's making, making something. some but like to 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 put this idea out there that he's making enough that he could then take that and like invest it. Like, you know, I, I just don't necessarily see well, that. But, but, and the thing what, about wrestlers is that they are dependent on their bodies. Yeah. So as this guy's getting older and it's like, he can't, he can't, you know, his body's declining. His career opportunity isn't really going up. So he has to take the, you know, smaller paying gigs. And that's like where his fan base is. But he did have a peak. He <coughs> right. did have a peak. Where he fought at, at the, the garden. Top. I mean, like he had to have been making some money. He was fighting in Madison Square Garden. You yeah. Know, 20 he, years prior. He's not doing it at this point in his career. No. But at some point he had to have been making significant money. He made the same amount of money as the Ayatollah at that time when he did that. <laughs> And I know I'm saying it like <laughs> no, to, to, to take that out of context is great. You no, no, made no. enough to start a business. <laughs> yeah, you made it. You made enough to do something else with your life other than just use your body as a piece of meat. You know what I mean? And just be entertainment. But he just could only do that. He could only focus on wrestling. And that's actually, the, I, I would point that out as a beautiful part of this movie is what's said and what's unsaid. And it's mm. like we Ooh. we don't know who this guy is, you know, we only know his career, so we can only ascertain or theorize about what he spent his money on, if he spent his money, if he got money. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful part to this character. It's like, listen, you're not getting all of that. You're just meeting this guy at this time in his life. And you sure. just get to go on this journey. Sure. And yeah, that's true. You don't need a lot of explanation. And I think that's what's so effective about this movie is that 
you don't really need ex- any explanation because you I think that what people relate to with this movie, if they relate at all, is uh, being at a place in your life where you still want to keep doing what you're doing, but might not be physically, mentally, financially capable of doing it. Or it's just not practical for you to do. Or it's just not practical, but that drive is still in you and you really don't know how to live your life any other way. So I think that that's, in my opinion, what was so successful about this movie is that that's like the the filmmaking, the the actual writing of it, like everything just kind of served that narrative. It's like, listen, you don't need to know his backstory other than at one point he was great at what he does. Here's where he is now Mm -hmm. at the end of his life and he's trying to reckon with what he did to get here. He's not on top. He's not close with his family. He doesn't have anybody in his life. He Mm -hmm. is just chasing this pipeline dream and he's putting his all into it, but he's failing physically. And it's like, that's a beautiful setup for a movie. Here's something that I thought is interesting. There's not anything in this movie other than when you realize that he has a daughter and he hasn't seen her and like that scene with the daughter that makes you think that he's a piece of shit. And even then, I didn't think he was a piece of shit. So that's that's the, I don't even want to say frustrating because it, that's not the word, but to kind of go off of what Matthew said, my only slight contrast to that is I think it's unfair to make any type of assumption or judgment about his life with his daughter mm-hmm. that because we don't know. And I almost think it's, I don't want to say irresponsible, but I feel like it is slightly irresponsible to just throw the daughter aspect into the movie without giving us anything because like you just said mm. ace mm. we actually like him the first hour of this movie oh, and, yeah. and even after that but like she has such disdain and distrust for him and, and i think our i think your mind immediately goes to and eh, it was probably the drugs and the booze and these fucking hookers and stuff like that but we don't know that see i i i agree and <clears throat> disagree so my first thing i would want to say is we know as little about the daughter as we know about him that's true. That's very we ju- true. We just know how she feels mm-hmm. and what, you know, that he's been absent. Uh, the other thing, I, I really, it, I, I'm surprised you guys keep bringing this up because at no point in the movie did I really think like it was the drugs and the booze that did this. I really think that the detriment to this guy's character was the fact that he was just so attached to the dream. He was so attached to the punishment and the fame. And it's like, this is what I've been called to do. This is what I enjoy doing. I want to be in front of my fans and I want to kick ass and I want the love. I never really did see it as like, this guy's an addict. Like, yeah, maybe he's bad with money, but like, he's just got this dream and maybe he doesn't know how to go about doing it in a successful business minded or manner. letting it go when it's time or to let go letting it. it go. It's like, dude, retire, look for something else, put yeah. your mind towards something. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're, you're right there. I mean, I guess the big, um, philosophical way of framing it would be, yeah, it's letting go of the dream or like being obsessed with the dream. But I think it was the wrestling lifestyle <clears throat> that was the only thing he could actually live and do. Like, it's simple. It's uncomplicated. <clears throat> well, it's not simple. It's like you go to the gym, you fucking train, you have your matches on the weekend, and during the week, your work is you go to the gym and you train. And so, after you train and after you break your body, it's like, yes, I want to have a couple of drinks and party with my fucking wrestling friends and so, bodybuilding So friends. let me pull that first statement. It, it's just simple. Yes. It's simple. Like, this is what I do. And it's it's no different than like a mixed martial artist, like gearing up for that fight. It's like my whole life outside of the ring is dedicated toward getting into the ring. Yeah. And this is just the way that this individual goes about it. Well, so I have two questions. One of them's a question, one of them's a point. Do you guys think <laughs> he's out of touch? 
Oh, out of yeah. reality. You do. Oh, yeah. because, because I actually think he seems pretty level-headed and rational. Like, he's very aware of his injuries, what's, what's happened to him. He's banged up. He realizes, okay, I need to find other sources of money. And he's actually, and to, which brings me to my point, I think he can do other things because he shows his first day of work. It's it's not a lot. It's not, you know, it's not curing cancer, but he's he handles himself really efficiently. He's behind really the succeeding. Counter. He's taking the skills that he learned <clears throat> in his previous job right. being a wrestler, and he's bringing it to the deli counter. Which is why I, I actually don't think he's out of touch with reality. I think he ends up being pushed to a point where he doesn't care anymore. But I, I think he's I think he knows what his situation is and what he needs to do. I think he does come to ter- I think he comes to terms <clears throat> with it. I think it's the rejection from Marissa Tomei that pushes him. And, well, it's the rejection from Marissa Tomei daughter. and the rejection from the daughter that pushes him to it's like I was just telling Matthew before the podcast, like it was either I fucking explode my heart wrestling or I put a gun to my head. Like those were his only two options after the daughter says there's no fixing this and I hate you. And he's rejected by the girl that he has a connection to or wants to have a connection to. Everything is gone. He doesn't have any connection to any real person except for the ring and the people that love him and cheer him on and want to see him perform. That's real. So essentially, so essentially what we're talking about, let's take the wrestling out of this and let's talk about what's really at the heart of this story. He's looking for human connection. For sure. He's so empty. He's He's lonely. He says he's lonely. He's alone. Not just lonely, but he's he's alone. That's right. Yes. And that's why it's like, okay, well, I just had a heart attack. I'm going to cancel all my gigs. I'll retire. Like, I I can do that. Yeah, he's ready to do that. But, like, here's the thing. Now I got to go find something else to fill that void. Like, this was my life. Let Mm -hmm. me me talk to this stripper. Let me talk to my daughter, who I'm estranged with. Um, And when they both reject him, he's like, well, I'm I'm looking at what my life is. I'm going to be behind this fucking deli counter uh, going one, two, three, four down the line. And no, no, a little bit more. A little bit less. A little bit less. A little more. Yeah. And it's like. A little less at last. And it's like to to you guys, when you said this earlier, like to your point about him doing okay and being competent behind the deli the first time he's introduced. Yeah. In in his head, it's like, this is just my small stage. He's performing. This is just, but like the second time around, it's like the stage is too small. The stage is too demanding. Just like his relationship with his daughter, it's like this is too too demanding. Like I just needed to be on my terms, and it's like my terms are: I'm gonna walk out onto that fucking stage, and I'm gonna kick ass, and then they're all gonna applaud me. I'll take the beatings. I don't need. I don't need to have emotional beatings. I'll mm-hmm. take the physical beatings. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I don't need to be love. held. I don't need to be held responsible for my incompetence in this realm. Like I am competent in the other realm. I am competent in the realm of wrestling. I am incompetent in the realm of being a person. And I think that point right there is the thing that gives you the the clearest indication of where things went wrong in his life. Because the second there's even a slight speed bump, he he resorts back to his old ways. He, He gets hammered in. Like you said, he sleeps the whole day away and he ruins the one chance that he has to make amends with his daughter because things got a little bit slippery. You know, well, he, he was rejected. W- he had one hiccup. Yeah. And it derailed the last year of work or even smaller scale, the last week of work, even sure. getting his daughter to agree to go to dinner. Yeah. the sm- So I think that's kind of what, where he went wrong in his whole life was that mentally he's not, he's not mature enough and like an animal. Underdeveloped, it's, you know, he's sure he really just can't handle any of that adversity. 
It's also pretty amazing too. I think this is a credit to Aronofsky, but I found myself uh, so in his headspace that it was like when he went to that event just to be a spectator, I was like, I get it. I get it. You can't do it. You're going to watch it. You're going to be a part of it. You're not going to let it go. And then when he went to the bar, I was like, I get it. Like, yeah, tell that lie. Tell them that you're still, you know, feel a little good about yourself. Hook up with that girl. Do that blow. Uh, wind up in that fireman's house. Obviously, you're going to go home and sleep. By the time he woke up, I did, like, maybe maybe I wasn't as intuitive as you guys when you saw it. Uh, but when he woke up and saw the photo, that's when I saw the photo. I was like, you fucker. You yeah. fucker. It hit me. I was so involved in the way that they were laying out that story that I was like, yeah, he's got nothing to do. It's he's, fine if he goes and he's doing what somebody. any normal person would do when they're rejected and disappointed. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. I woke up feeling hungover when he woke up. Like like I had like an emotional hangover when he woke up. I was just like, oh my God, that was a lot. And then you get hit with it immediately. You're like, no. That's it's already Saturday. It's already no, right. Saturday. So you're right. Like that's a huge credit to the director for go for making that choice. But like he wakes up very nonchalant and you're like, oh, you know, he Good yeah, for him. Just, just good for him. Out. He yeah, tied yeah, one he, off. He had a good yeah. night. He got laid. Like, and then it's like you sleep off the at hangover. what cost? Yeah, yeah. it was every, Friday night, everything. and you destroyed the Saturday. And it really did that. That was the thing that killed it for him. Yeah, like he he could have totally bounced back from being rejected by Marissa Tomei. He could have bounced back if he got to go to that dinner with his daughter. He could have bounced back. He would have, but he fucked that up. And I think it really was the. I, again, I said this earlier. Um, it was when his daughter says, "There's no fixing this." No, there's not. Then there wasn't, and and there you know, wasn't any fixing it. Randy when he took, took her it out the way. first time, and Randy took it that way too. When he said, "There's no fixing this," this he's is like, done. "You're right." And he's like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm, I am done. I but, am done." But God damn it, again, a testament to how good of an actor Mickey Rourke is. It's just like in that moment where they're like, you know, he hugs her and he crouches down with her and he's trying to calm her down and she's literally telling him, like, looking straight ahead, not at him, not acknowledging his physical presence. Like, you are done. Like, there's no fixing this. Yeah, I don't like you. I don't even hate you. Like, you are nothing I'm nothing to me. you. And Mickey Rourke, like, with kind of just sadness in his eyes, just trying to, you know, stroke her and like push her hair back. And I just think it was a great uh, character choice for an actor. Like it's just so sweet and it's so desperate. It's so pathetic. Well, uh, and what I liked about it is that he didn't beg. But he didn't, he didn't he beg. beg. He realized it and he just accepted that pain. He really did just accept it. And cause he knew, he knew in his heart that's like, yeah, there's no coming back. She's well, right. And I think the, the big theme for his whole life is how like, as like spectators, we're we're watching him in this movie just like people have been watching him on stage in his in the character's whole life. And what appears to us as something so simple as like, oh, he had a night out cost him everything. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's his life isn't his that complicated at all. And and the thing is it's relatable because we I mean, not that, you know, any of us have hit that rock bottom, but like mm. we you've been there before where you had a night where it seemed like so harmless. Where and like, your actions you went out and had affected fun. other people. There's a cost to everything. Yes. Yeah. And and the life that he chose cost him the life, his whole life. Yeah. You know, and yeah, he's been I paying agree. for these choices forever. And like I said, it's it's crazy how something so simple as he went out and got drunk and banged a chick at a club ruined, ruined everything. everything. That killed him. Yeah, well, hold on. Let him. me, you, we, keep, we keep saying <clears throat> that, but let's interrogate the opposite uh, perspective. Did it ruin him? Like, 
let's be honest. This is what the guy wanted. He wanted to wrestle. Well, ruin him in the sense that it literally ended his life. Well, it, but is that actually ruining him? Because think about it. The guy literally, we've been dancing around it the whole night. I think we've, you know, been hitting on it at some points, but like the guy's life is wrestling. Like that's what he's dedicated himself to. And it's if like, he didn't go out wrestling, he, he, it's if not, he didn't do that, he would have been ruined. Like he's, he would have been ruined. No, he, but, he would just be working at the fucking grocery store with no connections whatsoever. He had these fringe connections that he was trying to strengthen. They were both shattered. The only other connection he had was wrestling. He decided he was going to retire. So he had no really other choice. But I think that's what I'm getting at. It's like you, you, you're you talking about this as if if he actually made up with his daughter, like that would have saved his life. Like, I think so. I, I think do it not. Would. I do not at no, all. I think well, because but he would have fucked it up is, later. I think you the think point so? is, is, yes. is that what saving, because like, like he said, we're putting ruin in, ruin is a negative word, but we're putting like a real negative spin on it. Like, sure. Like, like that's what like ended his life, but like that's not what he wanted. It seems almost as if he decided like, okay, I have I have no life outside of this. No, see, you're, I I still think that's a negative spin on it. I think in that last scene, he was like, "No, no, this is my life. Like, if I'm about to die, this is how I want to go out." Well, he didn't have to die. He he really it wasn't like one of those things well, where yeah, it's like you're going to stop wrestling, and that's the thing. Like, <laughs> but like he had nothing he, to live for. But that's the thing. If he stopped wrestling, he's rejected by the stripper. He's rejected by his daughter. He does have nothing. He again, it's either I die wrestling, I put my heart into complete fucking arrest and die wrestling, or I put a gun to my head. Like those were his two options. I feel like he's not even really all that rejected by Marissa Tomei. No, I feel rejected like enough was... when he's when he's called a customer. I think that's enough to hit him right in the heart. But that he, is because a customer a fact, is not. though, and that's his delusion, and that's his out of touch. It is, you know, <laughs> it is. That's his, that's his out of touchness. Out of touchness but it like, is. It is. But I feel like it would be a little bit more <clears throat> understandable if she didn't meet him to go shopping, and and they didn't go to that bar, and they didn't have that drink, and they didn't share that moment. That moment was really important to him. Well, this is what I was getting at earlier. I was talking to you about this, Ace. Um, the, Marissa Tomei's storyline is amazing um, because essentially no different than Mickey Rourke aging out of his profession and it crippling him emotionally and physically. Marissa Tomei is in the same boat. She's at this point in her life where she has She's to- old stripper. She has to more or less beg for people to let her dance for them. And right. it's like, as a stripper, you don't want that. So she's at this point in her life where she's seeing age take its toll on her and she's not as desirable as she once was and she has a kid that she needs to provide for and she'd like to make a life choice that gets her out of this situation. And here comes Mickey Rourke, who is admittedly a customer, but like at the same time, there's an attraction. So I feel like their stories more or less parallel each other Um and oh fuck, I knew I was onto well, a because there's empathy there too. There's certainly empathy. There's but empathy, but there is also connection, and I think the connection actually happens at that bar where they're talking about music, when they're talking about the '80s metal. Like that's yes. where they're like connecting as people, and they're really enjoying the company because even throughout the movie, you can see Marissa Tomei interacting with Mickey Rourke, and I don't know if you guys have any experience with strip clubs, but that is quintessential fucking stripper connection with customers. It's like everything you're saying is just the best. Like, oh, you, oh, this, oh my God, and it's everything's all business. awesome. Well, it's all business. And even and anybody that, who takes it any other way is a fool. When she's dance, all right, so when she's dancing for him for the first time and he's just kind of, he's connecting as if they're on the couch together. He's trying to talk to her as if they are like drinking wine 
there's music on and they're just hanging out in a house and they're really trying to connect and she's doing her job. And when she's done doing her job, she's like, okay, I'll give you a little bit more time, this, that, and the other thing. And it's okay, done. Shirts on. I got to go. 60 bucks. 60. It's 60 bucks. It's straight up 60 bucks. It's like nothing that you said, no moment that we had. There was no moment. The moment this happened prior to that. The moment happened prior to that. Yes, but. The moment happened when it's he over. got those guys away. And then, you know, she well, was like, that was 200 knew. bucks that you just sent out the window. And he's like, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean that. And like, you could see it in her. She's like, fuck, like, I know you didn't mean that. Like, I'm good. I'm glad to see you. That that's was the true. connection. That's true. That's true. That is, that is, that's very true. But he's a regular. He will pay and he will tip. Yeah. And You're like, not wrong. Maybe, maybe not. And also, she was working pretty hard for those guys. But you also can't deny she's attracted to him. Mm, I don't Here, know about here's that. Here's my contrast to that. When she's walking around the strip club, when he's drinking his coffee, and she can't get one bite. She can't get anybody to even look at her sideways. She, saw, she walks up to him and talks to him. Then she walks around, tries to fish for a couple more guys, gets nothing. Then she's like, fuck, I know it. I'll go to him again. No, see, I, I think that, well, again, I think they're taking when, a pessimistic moment, stance on that because I really do think in that moment, she it was it was sort of about business, but I really think that in that moment, it was really, I just want to be wanted. I want somebody who actually wants to talk to me. Like, that's what I was taking away from that scene. Not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to, he'll pay. So here's, here's, here's something interesting. Here's something that just came to me now. Do you think that when she came back after that round and said, hey, why don't I meet you on Saturday? Mm -hmm. Why don't I come and meet you on Saturday? Do you think she was trying to do some really deep recon, regular customer hook? Yeah, for her emotional well-being. I don't know. I don't think it was for money. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think it was for money. I don't know, because I think that there was a lot of work that had to go in, uh, a lot of work that had to be done from Mickey Rourke to get her to change in that Saturday because when when she comes there she's out of makeup and she's like okay I gotta kind of do this thing it's like all right we'll look at things and he's she's really kind of appeasing him the whole time and they're not having a connection until they get to the bar until they connect on metal music I think what she's doing oh you guys are so pessimistic I think that's the best character choice that that director makes in this entire movie is how he the second you see her you're so used to seeing her in the smiling, like, what's going on? Welcoming. She's so cold. Cold. She is so She's cold. She's fucking cold, He's, man. Do I call you Cassidy or Pam? Pam. Call me Pam here. But And then he says it again, and she goes, but don't get used to it. Right, right, you know, right, right, It's right, very right. business. And I, I, don't think that's pes I don't think that's pessimism. I think that she's doing that to protect herself. Yeah, yeah I agree. No different than the Ram. Um... They are both playing characters, and they're both on stage. Yeah, and but I think they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. I, I this is coming from a perspective that I genuinely think that it was not like a, a long con, dirty hook. I really do think that she was embarrassed because she's a stripper and she does want to connect because she enjoys this guy for whatever reason. And another thing, real quick, she, like you, you talk about the long con and like getting like you know like I'm I'm assuming you're talking about that she's meeting up with them to have sex all day and then getting a lot of money for it. No, 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 no. I didn't that, mean that. I, didn't I don't mean that. Because I, mean that. I, mean I think you're putting a pessimist twist uh, on what we're saying too. I think she needs just needs to more or less guarantee herself the work. Yeah, I don't I think, think I don't I think, think it's, it's like long one con, big. Like he's gonna come back. 
He's coming back. He's going to come back. Oh, to the thing. no. I don't think it's one big anything. scam to get him to fuck her and give her $1,000. I think it's I don't it's even more think that's less... her bag. I don't think that's her style. I don't think that's what she does. Why Why would you think that, though? Especially when the director takes such a long time right there at the end. They go from the wide shot of her stripping and then to the close-up of her as she's looking around and she keeps twisting her hair and I forget what the song is but it's something about who you really want well I think that it takes her time to get there it takes her time to get there I think, I think it, it also takes time develops. to get there of course it takes time to get there but my but point is that I, I think, think that she was I think she was halfway there when she went to go and meet him because the whole daughter situation was something she could relate to it not necessarily the fact that he she's uh, estranged from her daughter but she's like he's talking to me about his kid and like, yes, I realize you're a customer and like, I don't want to get involved with the customer, especially if you're going to continue to be a customer. Like I would like to find some kind of a genuine connection. That's why I think she went there. It's like, let me strip myself. I show also, him who I am. No, I think that's what she got to. I don't think, but that's I also think wanted, there's a little bit of guilt there on her end, which is another big reason. I think why she went there. She's a mother. She's nurturing. She makes points of saying things like that throughout the whole thing. And I think she realizes this guy's going to die. <laughs> I've not necessarily pushed him to this, but I'm a big reason why he's at this point where he's about to go in a ring knowing he's going to die. Well, I don't know about think? that. I don't know about that. I think that when um, she comes and confronts him and apologizes for how she acted and said that he was he was just a customer, I think she truly believed that, no, you are a little bit more than a customer. Maybe not the interest that I'm looking for or is actually healthy because I do have a line. Like I have these principles that I cannot cross, but I think that after a while, when she actually got to the ring, when she decided to leave the club and go to it, that's probably where she made that, that, um, that realization where it's like, Oh shit, you know, maybe I did push this or maybe it was guilt or maybe, you know what? No, no, I actually like this guy. I think that's where her turn really comes. Interesting. Or maybe she is a bag of shit and was just worried about her money. No, I don't think so. I'm just yeah, saying, maybe. I'm just I'm saying. Just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. saying. The point has to be made. Maybe. No, I, I think that. The point that... has to be made. She said it to him. She's like, because she's like, oh, shit, I upset my best customer. Let me go back and talk to him and make him feel, you know, he's not Get the just customer, a customer back. Especially yeah. when you know your, your um, clientele is dwindling. It's dwindling. And I don't want, I hate... Versus Tomei, Bay, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> but wait, 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 wait. Did you say you hate Marissa Tomei? No, no, no. She Bae. hates she Bay. I love Marissa Tomei. Oh. Not hating on Marissa Tomei. <laughs> okay, cool. That but will not stand in this studio. No, this no, movie no, no, is no, so no, no, this no, movie's no. so emotional no, 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 no. and heartfelt and sweet that maybe she was just a leech. You're you're a man who's speaking from a place of being wronged in your life. I will not tolerate that. Marissa Tomei was a sweetheart in this movie, and I will not stand to hear anything else. I think that Marissa Tomei did the best, had boundaries for what she did as a profession, acted on those boundaries, and actually realized that there were feelings for this individual who was a customer. I That's also think how that. I could I have a up. job to report the truth. <laughs> fake news. I took a Hippocratic oath <laughs> when I accepted this mic. <laughs> and I refuse yeah. to just look at things with blinders on. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fine, um, man. There's just this, fine. Because well, what has Marissa Tomei done that makes us think that that's not possible? Like Marissa Tomei, literally is an act everything actor? in the movie. I don't agree with your assumption. She's that charging him. Yeah. She needs to make a living. 
Exactly. So I see that my best customer's up there about to kill himself. <laughs> yeah, but I don't... <sighs> You're thinking it? No, I'm not. You I, are. I, I'm thinking it, but I don't agree whatsoever. I honestly would like to see the positive side in this, and I think that they genuinely connected. Because right. oh, wait a minute. And Dan Aronofsky's movies are always so positive and optimistic, right? <laughs> see, see, this is exactly what I wanted to get to. No, because that is not Aronofsky's style. Aronofsky's style is to take the most depressing of things Ace and put turning. it in your fucking turning. I'm not turning. Revelations. I Ace know is turning. This. He's Revelations. back with me now. No, no, no. I was with you the whole time, Andrew. I gotta say. I'm with you. I understand what you're saying. So you I'm, guys are actually taking the perspective that she was a gold digging gigantic. I'm not whore. taking that perspective. Why would you say it like that? Why are why you, would you not? Say why are you like dancing that? around what you're trying to say? Because that's <laughs> just a point that has to be made as a possibility. It's not it's a not, gold digging tramp. It's the fact that she's a fucking person, mother the in a in your, business. The flaw in your argument is that he has no money. They had made a point to say that throughout the movie. There's he, like you're good for it. You'll get in your apartment when you give me the gave money. It's he because he's, it's because he spends his money on her. It's because he spends his money on roids. It's that because sick he spends, green jacket. Yes, it's S? because he spends his money irresponsibly. That is why he has no fucking money. That is why there is never a time where you get in the movie where he's like, "Oh, you know, you still owe me from last week. I comped you." Define She's never irresponsibly, though, because I I, strippers, I, I hearken back strippers, to what I was saying before. Steroids, it's no different than a mixed martial artist who's trying to so, gear up for the show. It's like this is what the wrestler strippers quote unquote, is not a lifestyle. part of the wrestler just to, lifestyle. That just to needs compare to happen, this to something, this friend. movie it might be. <laughs> Real quick, just hear me on this. I just want to compare this to something. Say, say you're a liquor vendor. And you're going to a restaurant and you find out and you have this big account, right? And you find out that they're thinking about switching their liquor distributor. Okay. You're going to do anything that you can to try and incentivize them to stay with you. Sure. Marissa Tomei, while a smaller scale, sees that her best client is either A, losing interest, B, trying to make it something more than it is. So eventually she's going to have no choice but to have to remove him from that situation or C, going to die. So ultimately, her best customer is no longer an option for her. I so, think that, you know, you, you got a good point because when she is doing those rounds, when she is doing those rounds, she even says, hey, you want to you wanna get a VIP? And nope. she's like, nah, not tonight. Even him, even him doesn't want it tonight. I think what you guys might, maybe I'm blind to this, but what I feel yes. like you two are ignoring is Marissa Tomei's acting in this like i don't read that from her i read genuine like she is in a midlife crisis and it's not about money i think that she very similar to mickey rourke's character in this they're looking for emotional connection they're looking to not be alone and they're not looking to age disgracefully and i think that that is their connection here it's like she recognizes they make such a point of it the first time she gives him a lap dance to talk about all of his scars then when, you know, he tells her that he has the heart attack, she literally, she's like, I'll meet you outside in 15 minutes. And then she's like, fuck it, I'll go now. Like, she recognizes the age. She recognizes what it means to get older and not be of value anymore. So that's why I keep har uh, harping on the fact that I don't think it has anything to do with business. Let me rephrase. Minuscule amount to do with business. She but also I think, well, wait, wait, you know what? You want to know what I think? The Irishman is the best movie no, ever. No, no. no, you cunt. <laughs> what I think is that you're a romantic. 
And I, you're in the wrong fucking I think you've ballpark. been scorned. <laughs> you're both pointing at me. You. I think you. you've been scorned. You, my I wish somebody could take a photo you. of this right By now. A beautiful, We're in the Mexican standoff right now. By a wily temptress who tempts in a wily fashion. You, my friend, are romantic in the wrong fucking movie, my You guys friend. are just sick. romantic. I think you're cynics. reaching for something. We're watching a Darren Aronofsky movie. And I, it's you keep fucking saying cynical. That. You keep saying that. That has to be... It's that has to be no, that has to be fact. No, no, yes. but that it's a fucking Aronofsky film. It's cynical. That what? does you're have to have that, some relevance. You're saying that directors, you're saying that writers and producers can't go outside of their typical storyline. Let me what, ask you something. What if this what is Paul Thomas Aronofsky? Anderson's? What if this is Paul it's Thomas not, Anderson's Punch Drunk Club? It's not. What though. if this is a change of pace from his melodramatic Boogie Nights in Magnolia? It's fucking not though. But it could it's be. Not, no, no, you're just blindly <laughs> stating things. You don't even. You're not even just. You're not even entertaining. You're just like it's not. But, but it's you're not. not. You're not entertaining that it is. No, no, I, I am. <laughs> you're not. You're like, no. you're like, no, I just don't see it. And I understand what you're saying too, because on the surface, it doesn't appear like she's she has any motive other than, oh, I care about this guy. Dude, this is his outlier film. This is his outlier. Yes, I agree that it's his outlier, but it has his themes so in there. So if it's his outlier, why can't it outlie? I think you just want it to be more I than it is. Too. You do want it to be more it than in-lies. it is. It in-lies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did want to talk about uh, Aronofsky as a director and as a creative and how all of his movies are fucking Stupid. depressing. Stupid. There is nothing good that comes out of the end of any fucking Aronofsky film as far as I have ever seen. And I feel like I've seen them all. Hey, man. I might be wrong. I hey need man. to actually look up to make sure I've seen all of these fucking movies. Ironically enough, I know you say that, but I do feel like this, depending on how you look at it, I think that this has a positive ending to it. I feel like this is about a guy who goes out on his own terms, which to me is a positive ending. Um. I, all right. I guess that is positive, but I, I don't think say he has another option. It's still fucking depressing. Oh, Jesus. Look at this fucking guy. Darren Aronofsky, you are strange. Look at you. <laughs> look at you go. <laughs> look at you, you fuck. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and look at the filmography of Darren Aronofsky, and you tell me. I check out with his first one, or one of his first, which is Requiem for a Dream. I hate that movie. What? You hate it? I mean, listen, I, I respect it. Like, good for him. He made it. Uh, it was successful. It has his own vision and his own footprint on it. Love him for that, but I do not like that movie. I don't okay. like Jared Leto. Wait, Neither do what? I. No. Oh my, you except, fucking people. Except what? in Panic, Panic Room. Room. Literally, you cannot convince me of any good Jared Leto performance except for Panic no, Room. No, I'm I'm with him. Lord of War? Nope. Nope. No. That was a Nicholas Cage Nicholas movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, a two high five. Matthew and I, 30 seconds. Matthew and I have never it's agreed never on two points in a row in this room. <laughs> <laughs> so just stop talking about Jared Leto. He's done. <laughs> I'm going to drop Jared Leto, but I am going to go through... Let's Darren Aronofsky's Let's fucking him. features. All right, so you got Pi. Have you guys seen Pi? Nah. Horrifyingly depressive. Requiem for a Dream? Horrifyingly yeah. depressive. The Fountain? Horrifyingly depressive. The Wrestler? Horrifyingly fucking depressive. I Black Swan? Like, especially the end. Even more horrifyingly <laughs> depressive. I Noah? I Black love Black Swan. Swan. Sucked. I love Black Swan. Black Swan. Noah. Noah. He made Noah? I thought that was Ridley Scott. No, it was him. It's because Russell Crowe looks like Ridley Scott in that movie. <laughs> I guess you could say that Noah has a positive ending in some kind of way. They get through it. They figure it out. Oh, that's the movie you want to go with? Is Maybe. like the positive ending? And then what's the other one? Fucking Mother. Ugh. 
You love Mother. I, I like Mother. Love it. I actually like Mother a lot. I like I like Mother. Stinks. It was smelly. It was like smelly don't cooch. understand. No, I know. I, I got it. I watched Mother on Easter morning one day. There is not. <laughs> was just like, I was like, I thought this was gonna be good. <laughs> Wait, what? This is the day of our Lord rising. So listen, out of all the movies that he's directed, the feature films that he's directed, not one of them, not one of them is for anybody other than a a depressed fucking film. It's literally made for Lou Reed. All of these fucking made movies are made for Elliot Smith and Lou Reed. Yeah. That is who these movies are and made Mickey for. And Mickey Rourke. He actually made a documentary about Lou Reed if I remember correctly. Uh, it's Lou, Lou Reed, Reed and Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um so this and I really do think that out of all those movies, this is the one that is the most um Digestible. Positive. Digestible. Yeah. Digestible. Because it really does steer away from the, um, like, metaphysical. Like, it's it's grounded in reality the whole time. All of his other films take you to a different place of, like... Just surreal. Ethereal and strange, like, outside of your body. Like, really, like, fucks with your mind, like, when it comes to the cinematography and where, like, the characters go. And it kind of gets into the head of a character. And got, this is I've the got only the movie. The dream soundtrack going literally. Right this now. is literally the only fucking movie in his repertoire that is grounded in reality the entire way through. Hey man, and I gotta give that to him. I gotta, I really gotta give that to him. Like he's not a one. Well, he's kind of a one trick pony, but this is the outlier for that reason. But it is still very depressing. It is a harsh truth, and it kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't want to shit on Aronofsky too much because here's the fact. That sucks of the as a movie, but it sucks as in like the the end of it. It sucks. Here's the fact of the matter. Aronofsky makes movies. He makes movies at high budget. Not with, a lot of them. Not a lot of them. He makes indie films. He makes. He's a high budget indie filmmaker. He's a high budget indie film director with fucking A-list actors working in his camp. I might not like Jared Leto, but you can't deny he's an A-list actor, and it's a large part probably because of Requiem for a Dream. But the point being, like, anybody who can That's make, the only movie he's worked with him with, though. Any movie that a director can, a writer-director can get off its feet, get it funded, and get it out into the public is a success. To get it uh, off its feet out into the public and make it a success, like, financially— Kudos to you, man. I respect the fucking shit out of him. I am not hating on Aronofsky. He is just not necessarily my cup of tea. And I agree. I, I know exactly what you're saying because, excuse me, Morty, I think that he, I liked him when I was younger when I thought that liking really edgy, depressing films was cool. Uh, it mirrors my 14, 15, 16-year-old mind. I, I get it. <laughs> I, I, thought, I really thought that was cool, like to the point where it's like, oh, you want to, it's like, Oh, watch a movie with the girls. I can rev Requiem for a Dream. That'll show them how deep I am. That'll make it's them like, really, yikes, really what a into fucking you. Lunatic, <laughs> lunatic. I'm trying to figure out what the biggest budget that Aronofsky's had as a director so far. If I were to guess, it would be Mother. 4.5 million was Requiem. Uh, let's see, Fountain's got to be way more than that, especially since The Wrestler was what, maybe uh, like two, like five million. Jesus, was it? I think it was like five million. But uh, the Fountain. Let's see here. Um uh, Fountain 35 million. Okay. Okay. He probably went down after that. Yeah, all right. Cuz the Fountain was not well received. I liked the Fountain, but it was not well received. Come on. You motherfucker. I'm interested to know what he got for Mother. If it was more than it's 20, coming, it's coming. It's I would coming. Be surprised. It's coming. Okay, 6 million for The Wrestler. 
That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a fucking- $6 million? $6 million for the wrestler. Holy shit. What a gem of a movie for that price tag. All right. So I think that the top contenders are going to be either Noah or- um, uh, What's it fucking called? Uh, Mother. Uh, let's see. Uh, this one was $13 million for Black Swan. Noah. Come on, baby. Let's see what you got. Uh, oh, wow. They only got a fucking five on. Oh, Jesus. I like this movie. Which one? Um, Black Swan. I like Black Swan, too. He, I like Black Swan. Like I it, thought that I was think, cool. I think it's a good one. I really thought it was a very. Oh, my God. $125 million for Black Swan. Yeah, and I can see that. Mother. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Mother was. That had to be high. It had to be. It really had to be, just because of the effects and the, the and the cast. Yeah, no shit. The cast quota on that one is probably through the freaking roof. Uh oh my god, thirty million. Yep, that's, that's it. Wow, thirty million. I wonder how much of that. Well, think about it. There's one. There's one setting. Yeah, it is one set, but it uh, the special effects alone that had to be where m- multiple millions had gone to. And I mean, paying Jennifer Lawrence had to be. And yeah, paying Michelle Noah, Pfeiffer. I think Noah's the the top. <clears throat> the The effects in that one is probably absurdly sixty high. mil. Sixty million dollars for Noah. No, how, for Mother. How much does oh, how much they, is Russell? Wait a minute. Wait. Oh, you know why? It's because they got uh, fucking mil. Jennifer Lawrence and Javier. Well, and Michelle Pfeiffer. She probably and, and Ed Harris. That's a great cast. That sucks. That that movie sucks. It sucks so that bad. that movie sucks. <laughs> what Mother? What a Mother does not of, suck. Shut up. Mother does awful. not suck. Shut movie up. Mother does awful. not suck. Shut up. It doesn't suck. Again, I thirty I, I million. Hark, for I hearken back That's to crazy. what I just said. Thank God for Aronofsky. Be like, I'm so happy that he's making his movies and he's getting money for them and putting them out there. I support the fucking shit out of that. Oh, not my movie. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's got some of my favorite movies, but I don't think. Oh goodness. I don't think that he's for everybody. Uh, I think that Darren Aronofsky is for somebody who wants to kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, something I did want to talk about, uh, again, uh, back to the actual movie. Um, one of my favorite scenes is the, uh, and this goes to the out of touchness, because you guys don't think that uh, Randy is out of touch. What makes me feel like he's out of touch is when he just gets open heart surgery and he's got to like lay in his trailer and like kind of chill out and he goes out and it's like, Adam, hey Adam. Like you can kind of hear him choking up as he's calling for the kid to come and play Nintendo with him. Mm. You want to come play Nintendo? And he's playing the game that has him as a character in it and he's Randy the Ram and the kid is playing the Ayatollah. Mm. Again, his big peak moment in life. His big peak was that match. Well, that's good. And it go, and it goes one shot just on him and the kid. And the kid's like, yeah, you hear this new game called Call of Duty, Call of Duty 4? He's like, what? Call it Duty? Call of Duty. He's like, what is it called? Call it Duty? He's like, no, Call of Duty. He's like, oh, what's it about? And he's like, interesting. He's like, oh, hey, kid, what's it about? And he's like, no, 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 it's war. It's a war game, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, this video game is so old. Like, he's so out of touch. And he's like, oh, come on, play one more match. I just kicked your ass. Play one more. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I got to go. Even the kids like saying, he's like, no, 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 I don't want to hang. And it's funny because it says that, well, it not says, you see where he falls asleep in his van for the first time. And the kids are like, come on, Ram. Come on, Ram. Like, he's still wanted. He's still, like, needed for entertainment. Some way he busts out of the tray like, Rah! 
and he like you know he plays with him for a little bit. He's like, all right, fuck off. I gotta go talk to the landlord. I like, like get my fucking trailer back. I like where you're getting at with this. Let me take it a step further. Uh, there, there is a, a theme of childhood that's woven throughout this very nicely, especially mm. with the opening image. You literally well, have posters? him. So yeah, no, no. The the opening image. I mean, like titles titles aside, the opening image is, is of him sitting with his back to the camera in a playroom. The blue walls angling in, making him very small, and you see, you know, the yellow truck, and you, know, oh, you sure. see all the toys, um, and then even even what you just described with the video game and with the kids, you know, he's playful. He's like a kid. He's like mm. a big man child. And then yeah, later, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, "Hey, give this, give this to your kid. He'll like it. It's three hundred dollars, you know, collectible. Is it really? No, 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 it's not." <laughs> no. Um, but like it, you know, it gives the sense that uh, actually this is a nice way of kind of succinctly putting what we've been dancing around. He's a big man child. It doesn't matter what he's done with his money. It doesn't matter what he's done in general. It's just mm-hmm. like he is on this path because he's immature. Well, he likes he's to failed to grow up. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty good. He's failed to grow up. But he tries and he fails. In his own way. He tries in his own way and he fails in the way. In the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie could also just be a statement on, like, CTE and the effects of it. CTE? What that does to your head. Sure. It's sure. like chronic um, head trauma. Mm. Um, and about, like, it's... A.K.A. punchy. Well, like, um, there's, like, Junior Seau, the football player who retired who killed himself. He mm. shot himself. He had CTE, and it was linked to his depression issues. So Chris that's Benoit. Thing. I mean... Chris above- Benoit did that, the wrestler. Chris yes. Benoit oh, my huge, God. That's a huge point. Is this the wrestler, the was Chris it? Benoit story? No. Wait, was this all? No. Didn't, was Eddie... Uh, Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero? Guerrero? Was he Eddie Guerrero way? had a heart attack and choked on a fucking toothbrush. Oh, that's what it was. His yes. wasn't CTE. No. no, it was not. Oh, I remember Chris Benoit. Holy fuck. He, like, killed his wife. And yeah. his child. And, and hung himself at, in his Bowflex or whatever it was. It was like a workout machine. He hung himself by the cable. It was crazy. Jesus. And he, what was his and he name? left the fridge like, open. Wolverine? And he left the fridge open. No, he was Chris Benoit. No, I feel like he had a nickname, though, didn't he? Promise you it was Chris Benoit. Okay. Right. That's what he went by. I don't know what his nickname was. Like he was, was Chris like Benoit. He, he might have had, like, he another like name, but... meth head Wolverine. No, he went by Chris Benoit. I'm pretty sure. He, like, I don't know no, if he, he actually had the name, the Wolverine. He might have. Uh, Toad, if he ever listens to this, will be yelling right now at this very moment, going, he's a fucking Wolverine. And I was like, no, it's not the fucking Wolverine. <laughs> or he's like, Chris no, Benoit. it's not a Wolverine, you fucking idiot. It's just he's Chris a badger. Benoit. He's, he's a badger. badger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like th- th- that is very serious. Like, you know, a lot of these um, boxers, wrestlers, uh, football players, they suffer a lot of head trauma that causes them to do from some pretty horrific shit later. Yeah. Well, you know. And I wouldn't say that this story went so far as to make him do some horrific shit. As much as it did just to to, himself. I mean, I mean, if it's horrific, like you're gonna make your heart explode from jumping off the top rope, then yeah, sure. I'd rather have it no other way. He did have CT, Chris Benoit. He did have CT. Was his nickname the Wolverine? Um, no, (laughs) no, it wasn't. What about the Badger? Ring names. Uh, His nickname was the Pegasus Kid. Nah, Uh, oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) Didn't know that one. Yeah, I do remember that. You know who my favorite was? What is it, Rashiki? Rikishi. 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 The stink face, dog. The stink he, face. He'd give him pink eye as his finishing <laughs> move. Dude, I used to love WWFE. Um, I was there during the transition. Something that I did like about this movie is that it was very true to like the life of wrestlers where uh, it, it's like, okay, 
the stigma is wrestling is all fake. But when you get there and you get backstage and you're getting suited up, it's the conversation that you have with your opponent is very minimal. Mm. It's like you understand what the moves are and you understand like the movements and you know how to take a hit. And you, and you know understand someone, who's going to win. Well, you understand who's leading. It's a, It really is a dance. When you're doing professional wrestling, it is a dance. And you got to know it's like, all right, when I do this particular thing, we're getting close to the end. Or when I do this particular thing, we're, we're at the middle. Like I'll do this and then I'll I'll try to sell this and but it's not like move for move for move. They're not rehearsing, you know, every night to put on a specific show. It's like, okay, we all have this backpack full of moves. It's a little bit of improv. There is it's, a real a craft to it. It really is a craft, man. It really is a fucking craft. It's like and acting. Exactly. It, 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 it's that's stage exactly acting. It is. It's like stage it, acting. It is acting. It is acting, but it's athletic. It's so fucking athletic where it's like you just have to have like have this repertoire of moves that you're able to do and this ability to pick people up at a at a moment's notice. And then you kind of just link it up. It's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. When I do this, I'm going to put the finisher and then it's going to be done. And then when you get out there, it's like whatever it is is what it's going to be. Some, and oh, I'm sorry. No, um, no, keep going. I'm sorry. When they get into like the hardcore shit, like when that whole scene where he and I love the way that this is filmed. I really do love that. Like he has the meeting. He's like, okay, for the hardcore stuff. What do you know? He's like, oh, how do you feel with a staple gun? I was like, a staple gun? He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, a staple gun like going to you. He's like, oh, does it hurt? It's like, nah, it's not so bad. He's like, you know, you gotta be like, blah blah blah. And then like they're really soft about it. I was like, okay, cool. He's like, just go easy with that staple gun. And then he gets you at the end of the match, where what he's been through and then you relive it and then piece by piece oh i fucking love how that's filmed i love how they show the whole match as he's getting shit pulled out of him as he's getting patched up as he's getting like sutured back together and again fucking shout out to necro butcher man necro butcher's the man like he was a old czw oh no i think he was deep south i don't know if he was deep south or czw but he was an old fucking hardcore wrestler uh ultra violent fucking wrestler who would just get that shit kicked out of him and he had to retire because if he didn't retire he would have fucking died you'd be dead he was like i have to retire or i'm gonna kill myself like i am going to die <laughs> in this fucking ring because i am just keep i keep pushing it too fucking far and that's how they did it well i want to backtrack uh to something you said maybe a minute or two ago yeah uh, you're talking about this idea of of what wrestling is, um, I feel like the public perception is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's like, oh, no, all these wrestlers make it big and, you know, make a shit ton of money and their bodies are perfect and they get endorsement deals. I'm telling you, man, you have to watch this documentary about, I think it's Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake. Dude, that is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen because it tracks the exact opposite. It is literally the story of the wrestler, the Ram, but in real life. It's like, yeah, like I worked for WWF and WWE and, you know, I, I trained and I put my body on the line and I was kind of like a free agent. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have any negotiating power. There was no union. They were paying me whatever it was and I was putting my body at risk Yeah, day in and day out and they're not covering my medical injuries. Nope. So whatever money I'm making, it's it going to towards that. that. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm putting myself on the line and it's a zero-sum game. Like, there is no money to be had. And it's like, then you fall into the pills. Then you fall into what pain it killers. takes. Oh, Painkillers. Painkillers, man. So you see this guy as he's, it's like a stand-up comedian or a concert go, uh, you know, a, a musician doing concerts across the entire country. But they're not getting paid anything. So they're literally just beating themselves up for nothing. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I can't physically do this anymore. Like, sure. I've strained my relationships with my daughter, with 
with my wife. There's, I've got nothing except for this career, dude. And this is like, <clears throat> I think that Aronofsky did an amazing job with the wrestler. Kudos to you. It, it's cinema, but it's reality. Mm. This documentary is reality. And it's it is the reality of it's it. It's fucking brutal. It really is the reality of it. And like, honestly, it's like Vince McMahon has a very bad rap because of how he exploited that exact thing. Vince McMahon never bothered me. It's like, dude, kudos to you. You saw your opening and you took it. You're a capitalist. Go for it. Yes, yes. But he exploited that exact thing that you were talking about. Was like, he's he not did. covering medical. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. And he did. He, but like, you can't fault him for it. It's no, like, no, no, you're I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, man. I am not faulting him for it, but that's where it, that's what it became, man. Like, that's what it kind of is. And everybody had their own persona and they were all putting a show on. And I think that the idea of it and the, the real big allure to it is that you get so many people around the world and in a stadium, not just a hall, not like a like a small like VFW in a fucking stadium. And they are cheer like you come out and they are cheering, like yelling for you to Who was go. It? Like Who was the it? Coliseum, dude. They Kurt, are fucking Kurt going. Angle, you suck. You suck. You, you suck. suck. You suck. <laughs> the other thing that I really like about uh, uh, this movie is how they're really true to that blue collar style of appreciating wrestling. Like you'll hear in the background in the Foley, holy shit, holy shit, holy oh, yeah, yeah. shit, holy shit. That is classic. That is absolute classic wrestling fandom. When you go to a show, you're going to have a couple of those. Well, not only that, but I, I, I know we touched on it very briefly, but uh, the budget a pussy. The, the, bu the budget on this was so small that uh, from what I read, non the, like these were real people that they got to be extras. All the wrestlers are real people. They're real wrestlers. Well, not only the wrestlers, but the people the in the audience. Oh, and yeah. The people at the, the deli, real people. Real customers. So when Mickey Rourke did that, apparently, like that, you know, they, they were, were freaked aware. out. They were aware that like shit's gonna happen. It's a movie. Like it's a movie. So wait, wait. So so it was like, all right, Mickey, you got this little squib, and on cue, like we you're didn't gonna tell fucking any of the just extras. ram your hand into that not slicer, not only, not that, and but scare like, that old lady. You're gonna fucking you're gonna squeeze the squib, and it's gonna fucking squirt blood everywhere. <laughs> and like, just don't tell everybody. You're just gonna fucking get and weird. Those people in aisle seven near the cereal, they have no idea that you're about to quit with blood on your hand. I quit. <laughs> when you see shit on the floor, that's gonna be real shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking awesome. What um. What do we say we get to the categories? The categories. Categories. I dig it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> did this movie work? Oh, yeah. It fucking works. I fucking agree. Yeah, I think it works. I agree. Uh, is it theater or on demand? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how Aronofsky keeps putting movies in theater other than his talent, but I don't think that Mickey Rourke has the cachet that he once or could have. I, I, I just don't see Mickey Rourke selling these days. Hear I, me out on this. What? What if this is a 10-episode miniseries? Yeah. A ten episode miniseries? Yeah, yeah. I could see it'll it. get worse. I could yeah. see it happening. It would get worse. What if it I was love a no, if no, it was a series, I think it would get worse. And you know, that's a good point. I I think that this does not work on a grander scale because what I love about this movie is its complete simplicity. It is stripped. It is stripped down to the bare minimum, and it I agree. works. It really works. I to agree. elongate this, I'd be like. <sighs> I think that this is definitely one of those. And here's here's what's happening. Every time we do this, the criteria for on demand is getting bigger. 
like on demand is getting real movie theater quality films. So it, it are you scoffing at that? <laughs> he's not scoffing. He's just clearing his nose. No, I just, I just breathing, just breathing, <laughs> just breathing. <laughs> I'm just breathing. No, what are you the doing thing over there? You just breathing. The thing that's happening is that production companies are putting money into movies to go back into or to go into streaming specifically because they know that's where people are spending their money. They're not spending it at to the theater To get you anymore. to the theater, it requires a big couple of names. It requires a big budget and a big scope, which I'm surprised that uh, The Last Duel didn't do as well as it should have. But like House of Gucci, that's the perfect example. That's a movie okay. that goes to theater because look at the cast. Look at the production value. Look at the scope of the story. To quarterback off of what Ace just said, though, the original parameters of this was supposed to be the idea that Movies that go straight to demand do not deserve to be in theaters. You know, which is why the question shouldn't be, it shouldn't be in 2022 because of, you know, Netflix and HBO Max and Hulu and Amazon making so their own many. movies. Yeah. It should just be the, the the broader concept of, is this a good enough movie to go to theaters? I think that it is. I also do. I think that it it's is. It's short. It's I will simple, say, if it comes effective. out, if it comes out today, you're definitely getting this on Amazon Prime. And it also won two or was nominated for two Oscars. Did Mickey Mickey Rourke not? and Marissa Tomei were nominated? Neither yeah, of them Mickey won. Rourke should have fucking won it, especially for the scene with his daughter. Where Neither of them won. Who is he against? Who is he against? I mean, I don't I, know that's what, what I would have I to have no idea. Go to but, the next, you know, I think we're all in agreement that quality wise it belongs in theaters. <laughs> it's almost like a twofold question. If it came out today with all our streaming options, it's probably a streaming movie. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I do think that though, Mickey Rourke displayed some serious fucking acting chops in this movie, Dude, especially in the up. scene in where he's confessing to his daughter that he's a beat up piece I'm of alone. me. He deserves to be alone. I'm and alone. I'm and I deserve sorry. to be alone. He lost to Daniel Day-Lewis for There Will Be Blood. It was the same year. It was the same year. It makes so much sense now. Of course he lost to Daniel Day-Lewis. That's a great match. Of course he lost to Daniel Day-Lewis. That's a great match. Oh, but God damn it. Now that I've seen this movie, was he not a fucking contender? He was. I he was me. a, he a that's fucking contender. That could have been fight, somebody. That, that could have been a contender. <laughs> Wait a minute. A I misspoke. Oh no! You son of a bitch! Because there will be blood was two thousand seven. I misspoke. It was the two thousand eight Academy Awards that there will be blood won at, but the movie did come out in two thousand seven. Yes, that's correct. Oh, um, so it was two thousand nine that he was. Unfortunately, for. Sean Penn won for Milk. Ugh. I've well, seen Milk, and now shit. I'm so upset. And that's now fucking I'm so shit. That was a, upset. That was a weak year, dude. <laughs> that's horseshit. That's poor. it was Penn Richard Jenkins. Franklin Jella, Brad Pitt, and Mickey Rourke. Was Franklin Jella for Nixon? Nixon? Oh God! What was Brad Pitt for? Benjamin Button. Button. Benjamin Button. Uh, all right, that would have been a contender. that would have been a better. That would have been that would have been a better contender than. And then Marissa oh. Tomei lost to Penelope Cruz for for what? Vicky Cristina Barcelona for what? Vicky Cristina Cristina Barcelona. Barcelona. I'm, I'm pretty say, sure that movie doesn't exist. I gotta say, that's a pretty powerhouse one. Amy Adams for Doubt, Viola Davis for Doubt. Oh man, Amy Adams for Doubt. Taraji gave it to Penelope Cruz. Taraji P. Henson for Benjamin Button. I think it's because those four options all should have won, so they were like, well, we can't pick one of them, so let's just give it a <laughs> Penelope. Let's give it a Penelope in her nose. <laughs> Guys, I, I am fucking livid right now. Are you really telling me that he lost? Oh, that's so upsetting. That's true. Ladies and gentlemen, is this a movie or a film? Film. 
It's film. A film. Film. Agreed. I it's a film. film. Um, it is a film. Best was actress that year. Film? Kate Winslet won for the reader. And Heath Ledger won for Dark Knight. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, of course. And that was a fucking wild little performance. Not a performance, but display of respect when a lot of people got up on stage to accept it for him and with him. And like that, Daniel, that was that was pretty cool. Daniel with uh his acceptance speech, he uh, gave it he gave it up to Heath Ledger. It was in in respect to. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. What's next? Uh who stole the movie? That's a hard one. Huh? Yeah, this is That's a hard tough one. one I was really, thinking about this. This is a fucking I think, hard one. Honestly, I think his daughter's really good. I agree. She's really good, and she's she's tough. She's very <clears throat> harsh. I thought that Evan Rachel Wood. Evan she's, Rachel Wood? she's really good. Yeah, she's Ra- really good. Rachel Evan Wood. Is it? Evan is Rachel? her first name Lanolin? Lanolin. <laughs> like sheep's wool. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, um, I think it's Rachel Evan Wood. Yeah. That would make no, more sense. Isn't it Evan? I think it's Evan Rachel Wood. I it's, think it's Evan. Oh my Evan. God, it is Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. But isn't Evan a guy's name? Isn't Evan a man's name? It's a Lanolin. <laughs> Lanolin? Anyway, yeah. Um, that's a good one. Uh, who said that? Was it you? Me. You. Matthew, what do you think? I mean, I think I'm within the parameters to say who stole the movie was Marissa Tomei. She's really good. I think I'm within the parameters. That's not my heat check. That that's what you think? That's good. I would say. I mean, that. I can't say it's Mickey Rourke. I mean, he was the movie. I just Let's call Ev- it what it is. Here's the thing. I think Evan Rachel Wood was so important because she killed him. Uh, she didn't. Yeah. Kill- All right, no, <laughs> that's not that's him. not a bad point. That is not a bad point. She that's didn't kill him. Good. It's very good. Me, uh, I got two. Uh, my heat check goes to the guy at the deli counter who was not playing with Mickey Rourke. He was like, uh, "Can I get?" Uh, <laughs> half pound of egg salad yeah he was like, yeah, then yeah. when he went to throw it to him he's, he's like, like can you just hand me my goddamn egg just, salad just bald he was like uh, uh, uh. just so freaked out I was like yeah how about them cowboys he's like I would do anything for you to just hand me my egg salad <laughs> and uh, who stole the movie for me really was Necro Butcher Dylan Keith Summers that was my man like he's fucking my heat hell check. yeah he's my heat love check love that guy he was so good he was so fucking respectful took a fucking solid beating whole plane of gap glass whole two whole planes of glass he got thrown into one and he got one smashed over his fucking head yeah. he is a fucking champion moving yeah grooving, grooving? Yeah. yeah what's he saying i don't know my heat check is the boss of the deli oh that man. guy's wicked funny Ew, Dude, Todd Barry. <laughs> that guy's hilarious Ew, yuck. <laughs> comes in hey wait i got like oh ah. We don't knock these people don't knock watching porn just like someone when he knocks he bashes through the door <laughs> What do you want? Yeah, he's a real cunt. He's a, and you know, Aronofsky has a real um cuntish streak. No, he <laughs> he just definitely has a character in every movie who is like the cuntiest of the cuntist. Mm. He is the cuntiest of the cuntist. They suck so fucking hard. I would like that to be an award in The cuntiest of the cuntist. The cuntiest of the cuntiest in the podcast. The cuntiest of the cuntist. Who, who were that? Who was that person? I don't know. Not well, you know. I don't know, on. but I think that Todd Barry as Wayne is definitely taking the cuntiest of the cuntest. Um, all right, the favorite line in the movie. Oh, I like the one that he talks. It's the cuntiest of the cunty. He says something about middle-aged women and meat. <laughs> <laughs> Anderson, middle-aged <laughs> women asking you for their meat. Yeah, something like that. Like, I, yeah. I really. Yeah. 
Well, I like when the when the um the lady's ordering the fried chicken and, and she's like the eight piece, two breasts, and he's like, Oh, that's what <laughs> I, I want. Big breasts. Yeah. I love two big breasts. Yeah. I want two big with breasts a, too. With a mind in between. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty a good. good. One, yeah. Mine is uh mine is uh go deep, go deep. Uh, oh, oh yeah. How about them cowboys? Yeah. That and also I'd like to respectfully say the the best line is uh I'm a broken down piece of meat. I'm alone. Mm. I deserve to be alone. I was thinking the exact same thing. Well, and also when they ask, he's like, they're like, didn't that hurt? And he's like, I don't get hurt in there. He's like, the only place you get hurt is out there. Oh, fuck. That's a good that's one, That's a too. really good one. That's a that's really, a good, really, one. really yeah. good one. Fuck yeah. I, I think that sums up the movie entirely. It's like, yeah, huh? I don't get hurt in there. That's why I avoid being out there. But like, obviously, we see the blood and the stitches. And Marissa Tomei takes him to the cleaners because she's a cold, heartless witch. She's not. Why do you keep saying that? Because that's Aronofsky. Stop it. That's Dallas. <laughs> I did, that's Dallas. I don't think you know how to play Dallas. <laughs> um, was that the last category? No, no, no. What would you do differently? I wouldn't do a fucking thing differently. Not a goddamn thing. I thought thing. that it was... I, I love the handheld aspect of it. I love the... The film grain I'm not usually a handheld it. guy. You know this. I'm know, not usually I, 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 a handheld guy, but I really like. I the loved handheld. it. I really did like it. I thought the sound design was perfect. My favorite was when he was walking for his first, his first day deli in, shift. In the deli shift, and you like you hear the cheers, and, and it's following him again. And then he goes through the curtain, and it cuts. I do love the way that it cuts music so hard, like especially when it's like the hard '80s is coming in, and then it slam cuts. It was. It, it's only made a slam cut because the music is the music is so abrupt. <laughs> the music is dorsimus. <laughs> because the music is so abrupt, uh, and and I really did like how this was edited. I did, I did. I don't love the word perfect. I think it's you know I I think it's a stretch to use the word, per- but like, has there ever been a more accurate, like more appropriate length of a movie? I think no. an hour 49 minutes. That's what minutes. I mean. I think that's my sweet spot. Yeah. I literally think that this movie's length is perfect. <laughs> and at no that. point is it like, oh, is it almost over? And even at the end, I'm like, I'm not wishing it was still going on. Like it was. It wrapped up right, right when it needed, it needed to. Yeah. to. I right think that, that point to. needed to be made. I don't. I wouldn't change a thing. Okay. Last, uh, last one. Who is this movie for? <laughs> Seems like a bad one to end on. I think, this, I I think to... this movie is for the same people that every other Aronofsky movie is for. <laughs> the guys that don't want anything fucking good to happen at the end. The cutters. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. I don't. It, it's tough to say. Because I don't. I wish we didn't end on this question. Because it's like people who live their life like this, it's not for them. But no. it's also not for us to look at and like not necessarily poke judge. fun of, but like like he like exactly. It's not for us to judge either. So I think no. it's for I think it's for like um what's the word we used last week to describe the people who like us? Uh, film buffs. Film buffs. Yeah, but you used a more articulate word. I don't um, know. Fuck if I remember. Connoisseurs. <laughs> I was pretty drunk. With, without sounding douchey, it's you know like. Film fanatics, you know, fanatics, like, yeah, 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 yeah. For people who like to analyze film, for yeah. people who like to go deeper into film as in, in the messages, in the in the deeper meanings, than somebody who just likes to be entertained. Because this movie's such a character likes. study. Like the two the two characters in this movie, there's such there's so much such to characters. Them, for sure. <laughs> the, the characters have such character. <laughs> no, 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 no. There is there is there really is something deep to extract from all these uh, all of these characters that is real. And it's one of those things where um, a lot of people who like to watch movies be entertained don't want to watch movies that make them feel real. They don't want to watch movies that make them look within themselves. And I think 
think that this movie is made for people who need to look within themselves with whatever they're pursuing, with how they've pursued it. You know what I mean? Like maybe they can look at their own life and say like, okay, I pursued this one specific thing and it might have had some casualties along the way. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, maybe I need to take a look at this. Maybe I can actually relate to this guy because I am estranged to my family or I have fucked up this thing or I was really great at one time and I'm not anymore. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm figuring it out and maybe that's, that's who it could be for. If, if I could say one quick thing kind of off that topic, I, I, I think this movie's for anybody who likes movies. Um, but <laughs> say that about every movie we do, but, I, I very I, I think this movie's for anybody who likes this movie. I, I <laughs> listen, listen. Movies are not made from one individual to the screen. When you're able to write a script, convince people to give you money to produce it, cast people, costume them, get everybody on location, edit the fucking thing, put music to it, put it out there in the world, and people still feel an emotional honesty, that's a feat. That's a fucking feat. And this movie delivers that in spades. So as far as I'm concerned, this movie is for anybody who wants to feel something. That's good. Well, Do you have any final thoughts? My final thought too is I think the movie can also be, to- be told for people who have the life that the daughter has. Sure. I think people oh, who sure. have experienced mm. that, I think that's a real character examination too. My you dad know, was a wrestler sh- and abandoned us. But now he- <laughs> You know what no, I no, mean. No, no, I no. You know what I mean. I, 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 yeah. I do. It's 100%. for people who people are going to empathize with her because that's that's really common. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel and, like they also could empathize with Marissa Tomei. It's like I could as a gold digger. I've out. <laughs> no, no. Fuck you. It's, it's fuck you. It's the same. It's the same. It's, it's the not same the journey. same. It's the same journey. It's the same journey as the. As, no, well, it's about the Randy. journey, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Andrew Hogan, and I've been drinking, been watching. Wait, wait. I have final thoughts. I thought they were yelling at Matthew. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, those will be my final thoughts of the evening. But my final thoughts on the podcast is, yes, I agree with what you guys are saying. I believe that this movie is for those who enjoy picking apart characters. I feel like it's for people who enjoy picking apart the nitty-gritty and the suffering of chasing the dream and getting too close to the sun, the old Icarus story. Old Icarus. The old Icarus story. I do Dickerous. believe it. <laughs> you can I believe call like me that. Gus Chickens. But as he, Andrew, just said, he is Andrew Hogan. He has been drinking, been watching. I am Alex Ace Caimano. I have been drinking. I have been watching. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Belts. Been drinking, been watching. Can't Thank you. wait to see you guys next time.